should say happy spring in some parts of the world happy almost april really just anything small you can find to feel happy welcome back to orb magic that the current song playing is wallace tallman you are cecilia june and i just found it today on npr's um, music section and songs we love, entries we love. They always have a best, perf- you know, new performer of the year, and then they narrow it down and they have a winner. And each year it's so interesting to listen to some of the entries and then the person that they feature. And so I just wanted to, um, I really like it. I just started listening to it and I thought that's a nice um, song to start the next episode of Orb Magic with. And um, again, it's Wallace Tallman. You are. And then Cecilia June is in parentheses. Uh, so I just wanted to say welcome back. I'm so excited today. I'm trying to stay calm because when I get really, you know, excited, um, my voice gets high pitched and faster. And <laughs> um, I'm trying to use my therapy voice. Um, but we have a very special guest again, for this episode. And all of this came about only in the last 24 hours. And it was definitely meant to be. Um, there were all kinds of signs. And I hope that um, Allison talks about any signs or synchronicities. She also had, I'm going to do her podcast today. She's going to do my podcast. Um, but uh, without further ado, <laughs> uh, let me just tell you that today we're going to get the opportunity and delight and wonder of talking with world-renowned medium Alison Dubois. It's a really interesting connection to French that I'll mention with her name being French. This past week I had something really um, phenomenal happen with a client uh, where uh, it has nothing to do with me, but um, I was in a partial trance reading in an appointment and with a sitter and the spirit team for her, her friends and family on the other side came through and they had me say um, a completely grammatically correct French sentence. And the sitter happened to be studying French. I did not know that. And the sentence came through as nous sommes avec toi. And that translated later, the client translated it um, because I really didn't remember (laughs) what was said um, exactly, but um, I don't always remember all the details. I am there when I'm in a partial trance, but I'm off to the side. My ego is placed to the side, but it translated as we are with you. Um, So that's pretty amazing because my mentors know I struggle with learning languages and um, have been trying to learn French for, I don't know, 20 or 30 years without any success. So that had nothing to do with me. That's one of the most amazing things that's happened just this past week. So French is in the air and Alison Dubois' name is French, it seems, and uh, we're going to ask her about that. But uh, also... There was another synchronicity with um, the angel notebook that my spirit guides had me grab um, right as I was listening to one of her podcasts, uh, her newest podcast um, episode, and uh, she mentioned the words angel and angel hair right as I picked up my angel book after, a few seconds after I picked it up and felt the need to pick it up from my spirit team and keep notes in this um, little angel book I've had for years. Um, that I keep a lot of notes in from especially this past year. So that was a huge synchronicity. Um, but again, without further ado, welcome, Alison Dubois. Girl, you isn't something that 
let you prove It's always there inside that light in you So just leave it on And it will leave So, uh, Allison, welcome to Orb Magic. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yay, thanks for being here. This is really fun. Um, oh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's so fun. I was just uh, talking with you a little bit about how I came to know who you were in around uh, 2009, around 2010, 2011 with your Monarch Butterfly book. Um, but for those who don't know who you are, can you explain what you do and uh, what planet you come from? <laughs> <laughs> well, I come from this one. <laughs> but, um, uh, my name's Allison Dubois. The television series Medium was based on my life, and I've written published six books, um, New York Times bestselling author, and I talk to dead people. <laughs> I also can head tap the living. So I was used um, in the courts to profile killers. I, I worked murders for 20 years, then I retired because my girlfriends were all retiring from law enforcement. And I was like, you get to retire, but I don't. I have to do this forever. I, so I just... I. I still bring people through who were murdered, but I don't actively work the murders anymore. Yeah. 20 years was enough. Yeah. You know, I, I knew about that work, and I love the show Medium. It's one of my favorite shows ever, but, um, yeah. but I'm biased yeah. <laughs> as a medium. Um, but uh, I did not know that you actually worked with some of your friends, your, you know, who were also working for detectives. I didn't know that. Yeah, one of my closest friends, she actually, <laughs> I can't believe they didn't show so many episodes they could have made over my, like, actual life, but it's, she's a DA, or she's retired since, but she was a prosecutor, a young prosecutor, when I met her in Homicide, where I was an intern, and she thought I was just, like, full of it, like, <laughs> she was not interested, but there was a person who was above her in rank who um, believed in me and wanted to see if I could head tap jurors to assemble a jury that would give us the verdict that we wanted, even though they said they'd never give that penalty. Um, so I was used for that. He went with my selection of a jury instead of hers and it was a jury she said she would have never put together. And we did end up winning that case. Wow. So I was brought in on cases that there is a technicality that somebody could get off on a loophole. And, yeah. um, and so it was my job to help the prosecution to show the jury why this person should never walk out of prison. You know, things that they could do that would... Um, make them show violence in the courtroom sometimes or but also to assemble a jury that would um, go in our favor wow I think that is um and true. then she became one of my closest friends oh yeah nice yeah <laughs> the one that didn't believe yeah <laughs> um well that's the best kind um especially yeah. when there's a, a a transition to the truth like that right. <laughs> um yeah uh it's a nice balance but that's true humanitarian work also. Not only you're working with clients in one-to-one -one appointments of evidential mediumship, bringing through their family and friends yeah. and the healing that happens in mediumship, but um, that is also truly humanitarian work. So that's, that's wonderful. I was preventing future victims. Yes. That's how I looked at yeah. it. So thank yeah. you. Wow. Yeah. That's a good way to say it. Um, and to feel it and think about it. Um, so can for those who also have never heard of you, can you just tell us a little bit? I'll, I want to ask a couple of questions about what you're doing today because you're doing some new amazing stuff. You have several books and they can look those up. But how, like, I know you were born like this way. Many mediums who have it, the size stuff is very strong, usually feel that way. But can you talk about your, maybe your first memories as a child, um, as a medium? Yeah, um, the one I write about in my book when I was six, I attended my first funeral. Um, oh, yeah. Which I'll go into, but there was something that happened before that that I didn't actually share in my books, and I was four, and I remember being at a gas station with my mom, 
and there was a motorcyclist filling up his gas tank and I just kept staring at him and I had a really bad feeling and my mom was like he's got a helmet on he'll be fine um so we go home and the road's blocked off and he had crashed and his helmet came off so his head was there was a head injury but I just remember instinctively I picked up his shoe that was on the side of the road and I felt like I needed to bury it and I know that sounds strange but I almost felt like I needed to go through some sort of a ritual of paying respects to the person who I was sure died and you were four I was four so that's the first thing I actually remember but when I was six was when my great-grandfather died and I went to the funeral and at that age they put you down for a nap and he was in his casket and I looked at him and I thought he was sick so he took a nap and he was going to wake up and feel better like I didn't really understand what a funeral was right and my mom brought me home and put me to bed and I couldn't sleep so so I looked at the foot of my bed and my great-grandfather was standing there and he didn't have any lines on his face and he looked healthy he almost glowed there was something sort of luminescent about him and he had intestinal cancer he died he didn't look good when he died so this didn't look like him he just looked so healthy and refreshed and he looked at me and he said tell your mom I'm not in pain anymore and I'm still with her because they were really close she spent every day in the hospital with him So I knocked on her door and I was excited. I was like, he's back, you know, I'm like, yay. Um, And my mom, I I told her what he wanted her to know. And she just looked at me really sullen and said, go back to bed. Yeah. And so I went back to my room and he was gone. So I was like, was he here? Why is she mad? Yeah. Um, I don't understand. It was just confusing. So I learned to keep my mouth shut. More often after that. I think you've spoken about this in different ways on other podcasts and interviews, but we really do need to come to a place in society where we can honor children's imaginary friends and or the real experiences. I say that in quotes, right? Right. The real experiences they have because it will change humanity for the better to, to recognize early on that this stuff is real and then nurture it in our children. That is one of the keys to changing the world. Well, I agree. And parents need to know what to say to them. So I try to write about that so that they do know and make videos for like YouTube for them. But um, also meditation. Teach the young sensitives how to meditate, how to, you know, center themselves and, regenerate their energy and to tune out when they need to I think meditation should be taught in schools for children personally I completely agree and um once you get used to it even a couple minutes a day it's not it's not really that hard at all it's it gets it grows too the more you do it the more you more you want to do it and you see the benefits of it yeah um, and even music can be yes. meditation yes tuning out. right yeah. you don't have to sit down in one place and like you know or uh, something yeah. right you know you can, people yeah. say right meditate <laughs> a run people talk yeah. about running being meditative um cooking <laughs> yeah i had to run in pe in grade school and as a child and i was like i'm not running ever again when i don't have to <laughs> i kind <laughs> of understand that i kind of understand that i come from a family of professional um uh marathon runners on my dad's side and I never no 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 I I ran one race I think one mile and my grandfather walked with me because I was the last one to (laughs) to come through at the end I'm taking my time I'm philosophizing yeah that's right that's right um but uh no yeah I'm a walker um but you mentioned being four years old that's interesting you reminded me of something uh I knew my the night my sister was I don't think I've ever talked about this but I was 4 years old also I knew the night my sister was going to be born I told I begged my parents to let me stay awake because I I said I wanted to be there cuz I knew she was coming I could feel my sister Amy 
But I could also feel at the time that something was wrong with the birth. And they did not know any of that until about 12 hours later when Amy was born and there was something wrong with the birth. Um, but I remember to this day being put to sleep, um, you know, in my grandparents' room at the time and then just screaming with my dad and crying, I don't want to go to sleep because I know the baby's coming. The baby's coming today. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that was also four years old. Thank you for um, reminding me. It's when they're at an age where they can articulate what they're feeling and what they're sensing. I think it's why kids cry when they're two. Right. When they're toddlers and that round two and, and under because they can't communicate what they're experiencing. Right. What they're feeling. Right. And, and it frustrates them. That that's, would be frustrating. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I used to be a child counselor and teaching parents to listen to their children at that yeah. age and nurture them. They're not crying because they're upset as much as that they don't have the words that they want to say <laughs> for right. what they want to say. Um, right. Well, I was going to, I'm going to ask you some fun questions about synchronicity and, and language. And if you want to answer them and you could always say, of course I pass, but <laughs> pass, okay. but um, can you tell everybody about what you're doing today with dead university and with this podcast and any other projects that you're working on? Sure. Um, Dead University, I started in COVID because I finally had downtime to do it. Yeah. Um, people have been asking me for years if I would mentor or teach them. And I, I mentored a couple of people, but I, I never had time to do that. It's an evolving process to learn mediumship. You have to do it by yeah. trial and error. It's just something you've got to learn. But um, I started Dead University. I'm very excited. We're adding... Our professor of astrology, Tom McMullen, and the professor of healing, Diane Goldner, are being added in the next month or so. So I'm excited. So they'll be able to teach the people that want to learn healing or astrology the basics. And Yay. I have a mediumship course for them to teach them how to establish borders and boundaries for themselves as mediums so that they can... Um, not control the other side so much, but have a, a mutual respect with the other side and establish those those rules um, sooner rather than later. Because I was finding a lot of people have no boundaries with the living, then they're not going to have them with the dead. Right. So if they have abilities, they're going to get completely short-circuited by the other side because nobody ever leaves them alone. Right. And so that's why I'm there to teach them how to say no to the living and how to say no to the dead. Yeah. It's not the right time. Come back at four. That's when your appointment is. Right. Or find another way to get them to me and I'll bring you through. Happy to talk for you, you know, but yeah. um, I think that's important. And then as far as um, they have a lot of questions, so they get a, have a Q&A on Mondays where if they have a question, they can write it and I just respond to it to help them in their direction. So you can tell who's real and has some absolute abilities and who's a little out there. <laughs> like, But I'm happy to guide all of them in their own unique paths. Yeah. Um, so Dead University is something that I'm very proud of and um, we're a school of of a pack of awesome weirdos right? <laughs> oh now i really want to join <laughs> and then i have the um my podcast is the dead life and i called it that because that is my life is dealing with the dead but they always say they're more alive than we are they are so yeah i'm like i want to live like them so yeah it's the dead life yeah and i like to talk to people from different walks of life and see what their views of life after death is and yeah hospice nurses and people such as you we just recorded today and um just people i find interesting so that's well i'm not that interesting it. but thanks for saying <laughs> You're, you're an Aquarius. You were born in. That's right. Actually, that's right. I think. How does Linda Goldman put it? Um, put um, uh, something like mice in the tea and welcome Queen Alice thirty times three. You know, she always used the Alice in Wonderland references to all the signs. But yeah, we're the weirdos. That's for sure. The Aquarians. Um, well, 
thank you for that. Can I just transition now to some questions that are more, um, well, I would say normal or super normal. Um, but uh, can you talk about what you have learned since, because anyone can go back and look at your Monarch Butterfly book, which is the one that I really, I, we talk about on your podcast, really helped me get through a hard time. But I've started seeing Monarch Butterflies ever since. It's almost like when I've learned with synchronicities um, that how astronomically improbable, quote unquote, that they are um, when you have like, uh, you know, five seven, eight, nine, ten of them happening over and over and over again for a whole week and very unique, you know, symbolism sometimes. Can you talk about the monarch butterflies or the synchronicities or something, you know, that interests you that you've learned since writing that book? You know, I when I wrote that book, I was doing readings and I was noticing that some people, their symbol was the butterfly showing that they're free from their body when it came to the dead. And I just kept thinking monarch, monarch. And I looked it up some, I don't name my books. The other side basically does. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that becomes the title. But um, I was reading about the super monarch and how only one from every generation makes the migration to um, be able to procreate and to keep the cycle going. And most of them die before they finish that migration. So there's the one monarch as I see it. And so that's, those are the people that are really special, that they're the one in a family to do something different or to break out to do something special. And to have the strength to do it. And if so I'm, they symbolic. still don't know, right? I think to this day, scientists still don't know why that happens every fourth generation. Right. The migration patterns. Yeah. Which, it's pretty it's interesting. Yeah. So, um, and my publisher was like, that'll never sell. Oh, They yeah. won't understand. <laughs> I was like, whatever. That's um, the name. That's, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Well, the spirits helped me name the May the Orbs Be With You recently, so I understand that. I have a friend who um, she, ever since her mom crossed over a few years ago early, um, a little too young, her mom was the first spirit to come through to me directly a couple years ago and tell me to tell her something. Then yeah. I knew the mediumship was getting stronger. About six, seven years ago, she just came right through and, and turned my body around in the university I was teaching philosophy at, walked uh -huh. me right back into her daughter's office <laughs> and gave her a message through me. Um, but ever since then, not only does her necklace twist without anyone touching it, but she sees monarch butterflies everywhere, all in the craziest of places where they just shouldn't be. So there's something to that. Yeah. They yeah. really are messengers. You tapped mm -hmm. into something there. Um, is there anything else about synchronicities you might want to mention? Or do you have them often? Or do you find them every day? Or You know, I, I think everything happens the way it's supposed to. And I think it's energy. I think synchronicity is just either like energy being drawn to like energy or it's something that was written in the stars in your prophecy of your life and who you are and for instance with my husband Joe it's funny the things that irritate me now are what we really love in the beginning and <laughs> no matter where we go in the house we run into each other like run into each other I'm like really really <laughs> do you have to be right here right now <laughs> so we just always we could have been anywhere in the world and we would have found each other there's just something energy wise that draws us together and so I think synchronicities happen because people end up where they're supposed to be yeah I like that I, I agree um, and I think I was telling Joe yesterday, I think we need to create a dating service for mediums because <laughs> it's yeah. hard to find a partner. You're lucky because, you know, it's hard to find a partner who either is also a medium or understands and accepts this lifestyle. <laughs> that would be hard because I met him when I was 20. So we sort of grew up together and learned together. So it worked, but 
a lot of people are set in their ways by their 30s and yeah. their 40s, yeah. their 50s. And it would you would have to find somebody within your belief system. Or who could to, accept the, what you do. do. Maybe do some homework. Just do but some they're homework. Gonna be, they're going to be immersed in it. So they really have to be able to embrace it. Right, right. I think, I think you could just all of a sudden, maybe it's not good to do on a first date, but like on a second or, or third date, you could say, talk to dead right, people. you could say your grandma's here right now. Let me tell you all about it. <laughs> You know, then they're just going to want to use you as a medium. I know. You're right. You yeah. have to show them yeah. you have other gifts. That's right. That's <laughs> First. right. That's right. Yeah. Um, uh, so there's this uh, obsession philosophers have with language. Um, obviously, linguists have an mm-hmm. obsession with it. Philosophers, some tend to believe that the mind... Well, in the history of philosophy, East and West, it's different, whether it's East or West. But um, the mind and the brain, depending on what century you look at and East or West, have always been discussed as separate. But um, we're living in a materialist dominated paradigm currently, although we talked earlier about that shifting. Luckily, thank God. Um, but there's, you know, materialism is not all bad. I get neuroscience. I get that we need our brain. We are biological beings. But there are many philosophers who believe that the mind is composed of nothing but metaphor and language. And I know that the learning in the classrooms go on after we pass and cross over. But I also know, as someone with a language disability, that it's not all. The mind is not all connected to language and, in fact, is connected to the heart, feeling, emotion, um, happiness, joy, music, sound, right? Sound right. is a big one. Um, so can you just talk about your experience or your current understanding of how language can be used? You know, people lately have been talking about casting, quote unquote, spells and how important spelling is for spells, right? Casting spells. Now, I not, I not only cannot cast, I cannot cast spells, but I can't spell either. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot spell, and I, I I am a medium. I do not want to be doomed because of my language problems, or and Maybe I don't want to be. You're fluent in the afterlife. I am. I am. I, I don't want to be doomed by the obsession with people's meaning, the idea of meaning. Do you have any thoughts on that? You know what you were talking about in the beginning of this thought is, and when I bring people through, you're right. They they laugh and so I can hear that they have an unusual laugh or um, it's about the music and the love and the emotion. That's what we carry with us. Every now and then I'll have an academic that'll say, um, how do they put it? Oh, I know a little about everything. That's what they say. They're like, I know a little about everything. I was kind of smart. It's like, okay. But then what they talk about majoritarily is, is, the emotional stuff. So although they're identifying who they are, like showing books or gla- reading glasses, they'll show things of like that that are more intellectual or brain-based, I guess. Um, but love seems to be processed through the center of our chest. And I know that the brain's involved, but it doesn't work alone. And right. so I think they're discounting the other functions that are going on within us, the other forces, the other energies that have to come together to create a real love and a a lasting love. It's not something that you just, a chemical reaction happens. Yeah, that could be the initial feeling, but there's something more spiritual in relationships and the love for our children the love for our parents, the love that we have for those around us that we connect to. And it's not an operation of the mind. It's an operation of our soul and, and a connection that we, that we make. And I think it's important to work on your soul as much as you work on your mind or brain and your intellect. And as much as you get facials and get your hair done, you know, invest in that source that, that moves you. And I think people don't focus on that as much. So when you talk about the materialistic world, um, 
Yeah, we not, we like shiny things. Yeah, cool, you know, but that's not everything your life is right. supposed to consist of. So when you turn on shows that are supposed to show these people that have these really glamorous lives, how is that supposed right. to move us? Right. You know? That's right. So I think people are becoming more spiritual because religion's fallen a little bit um, in the last few decades, and the generations have turned over. And they're looking for something. People need a faith, something that lifts them up and connects them. Yeah, and the experiences that yeah. what we have with mediums um, and, and and individually also, just as human beings, the 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 experiences go far beyond biology right. and and linguistics. Um, yes, humbly stated, um, in my experience, just far far beyond. Therefore, there's so much more to experience. There's so much right. more to learn. There's so much more to share. I say if you're going to you know, have all that money, take some foster kids to a baseball game. You know, right. like use your money that way. But also, you know, the, yeah. I have to say on behalf of the rich, because I know a lot of people that did really well. Yes. They are the ones that keep charities around the world running. Yes. And they wouldn't exist without yes. those people writing the checks. So yes. thank you for becoming rich and helping us all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, oh, I, my team just said, say to her, uh, in case it ever happens to me, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah, abundance, advance. abundance, yeah. the vortex. <laughs> you know, you can meet an eccentric billionaire that just thinks that you're the best thing since sliced bread and they totally Ooh, get Where it. is he? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, anyway, transitioning now okay. to um, just to ask you about, uh, so what my medium mentor, Kathleen Cotter Lloyd, she is now um, in her late 70s, young, you know, young, late 70s. And her grandmother, Rindy, was a seance physical medium and ran a spiritualist church uh, like 100 years ago in, in Minneapolis. And she's just been this wonderful support for 14 years for me. And she, I asked her today, I told her, guess who I'm going to get to talk to? And she was like, oh my gosh, no way. But she was loving it. And I asked her, what would you want me to ask Allison? You have all of this experience and she's a practicing medium now for five decades. And um, what do you want to know? And she said she would want to ask you how, how, not only how do you know, from a philosophical perspective, like how do you know when you're getting that information from the other side, but what do you do when you find that you're getting off track during a reading? How do you get yourself back? That subtle distinction between our own thoughts. I'm sure right. you've gotten the question a million times, but that's no, what actually. she wanted to ask. Well, <laughs> that's, that's yeah, it is a great question. Oh, it's a great question. I told her, I said, I wanted to ask you the same thing. It's a great, but what would you say about getting back on track? And how do you know that information is, is valid? In, well, I, that's two different things. Yes. I mean, I know, yes. I know that the information, uh, first of all, I have an accuracy level that I'm already aware of. And um, also in the readings, they, they know if what you're saying is true. It's not like being a psychic and predicting something that they have to wait to see if it happens. Right. Um, this is information that they can confirm on the spot. So you're getting that validation, you know, on the phone reading. I do most on, on the phone. And um, getting off track, I try and stay focused on, it's my job to speak for the dead and it's about them. So if, something reminds me of a funny story, I pull myself back and I'm like, it's not about you. Right. It's about right. them. Right. Um, and as far as, I know what you're talking about, there's a fine line between, is my mind filling in this scene that I'm seeing, this scenario, or is it organically coming from them? And the difference for me is a feeling because when it's organically coming from them, it's I can feel it in the center of my chest. Like, it's them. If it's up here, that's me. And I know sometimes they'll communicate some things through our mind because it takes them less energy to show us what they look like in our head or to show us a name in our mind. Um, but 
I can tell when it's them. It's a difference of tone between their tone and my tone. I can just sense a difference because it's a foreign energy to me. Yeah. Because I don't know them. That's a good way to say it as a difference in tone. Um, I don't think in pictures when I'm awake, but I dream vividly at night. So I don't get the images uh, the way I'm envious of anyone who thinks in images, whether you're a medium or not. So that's an awesome way to say it, though, that even though you might be seeing an image, if you're thinking about it, it's going to be different than if you're feeling it also, in your if chest. I don't, if I don't have reference for what I'm seeing, that's not something coming from me. Right. That's something coming from them. Right. And then you can yeah. describe it as best as you can and go from there. And I, and I do, especially because I, I read um, a lot of people from around the world and I'm a big foodie, so I can pick up on the what they made or what they're eating at the moment. And sometimes I just have to describe it because it's from India or another country where I'm not familiar with what they call that dish. Yeah. I'll describe it and they'll say, oh, yeah, my mom made that all the time. Yeah, it was do, my favorite. Do you ever get the smell of it? I'm curious. The food smell? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I, ha- I have gotten the smells of foods, of um, perfumes, and I'll try and describe what it's... And sometimes I can place it because I, I have... You know, I wear perfume too. Um, and and Lori Campbell, for instance, grew up in her, I think it's her aunt's hair salon. So she knows textures of hair. So when she describes the person, she's very specific on the hair. So it's our past um, experiences that sort of shape who we become as a medium and what our strengths are, I believe. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, well... That was wonderful. Um, I guess what I would ask you before I have one fun question to end with that I'm, again, sure you've been asked a million times, but um, one other question I was thinking about was um, what you would, in 2022, with all going on and after the pandemic also and during during it, we're still in it, um, but mm-hmm. what would you want from all of your years of experience now, other aspiring mediums to focus on? I, I know it takes practice. Um, and I know we have to follow our intuition, our heart, and stay protected, right. surround yes. ourselves in protection. But what would right. you want them to know about li- being a medium today in 2022? Okay, so with the younger generations, and I have said this to a couple mediums who, they're forgetting to do the work, do the work. And I've had to say, I said to one uh, young man that I know, he, he was becoming all about the fame and like wanting the fame and connecting himself to anybody who was on television. And I said, you're a medium, do the work. You're not here to be idolized and put right. on a pedestal um, I, because I find you get corrupted yep. that way. Yeah. And, and it's seen, dangerous. It's, you yeah, can hurt and yourself seen, and others. Well, and I think the ones sometimes that destroy themselves, it's uh, their souls just, I don't even know how they're convincing themselves that they're doing it for the right reasons anymore. Right. But I've noticed when you get famous, it's one thing to be famous. It's, a, it's an entirely other thing to belittle people. So I've seen some professional mediums who teach courses or, you know, let's go to the Bahamas or, you know, those, those sorts of retreats, um, who are knocking down their students saying, you're not good enough, or you shouldn't do this. You should do something else. I would never say that to anyone. And I've had to repair some of those professional mediums and get them back into the game where they have confidence again to do what they do. So be careful not to lose your soul through mediumship. If you get any level of fame, it's not about, or at notoriety, podcast, whatever. Make sure it's that you're doing the work for the right reasons and that you're speaking for the dead to heal the living. That's what we're here for. We're just a conduit. We're not so... We're not Harry Potter. We're not, you know, so, um, you know, we don't have wands. We're not that. We're people who can hear on a frequency that some people can't hear on. 
And so for the younger ones coming up, make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. Make sure you go into mediumship because you feel called to do it, yes. to help people, not because you think it's cool or, um, or it'll lead to fame. Do it for the right reasons. Yeah, and, it's it's and you'll be great. It's hard be, work too. It really yeah. in a good way though, I feel. And sure. and I've noticed that um I agree with everything you just said, but I have noticed also that if you're really doing the work and your heart is in the right place, right. you get tremendous joy from giving other sitters healing, yeah. beautiful, loving messages, and your spirit team keeps you in line. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've noticed. <laughs> I love I love how the dead run our schedules. Yeah. I'll get sick and um, and mediums get sick because sometimes we take on the energy and we don't yeah. we're not mindful to get rid of it. And um, we die a little each time we do a reading. That's how I see it. Giving a little bit of my soul up to so somebody else can come back to life yep. briefly. Yep. That's what it what it feels like. Um, and then taking the showers and, and down the drain away from me, down the drain away from me and visualizing whatever's bothering you and the illness connected to the reading going down the drain, the murder, the suicide, down the drain away from me. And they have to take care of themselves um, in order to do this. And they have to be mindful of not just their physical well-being, but their own mental and spiritual well-being as well and you don't have to work murders because I make it look cool on a television show you know <laughs> that was my calling I was uh, I was interning in homicide to be a prosecutor I'm wired to work murders I have an understanding of forensics and you know ballistics and um, entomology and things that you have to have reference for to be able to really put a full picture together of what we're looking at in a murder scenario. So if people think that mediumship doing murders that are heart attacks and, you know, the normal ways to die, don't, don't jump into murder and suicide as your, I'm a trauma specialist. It's what I do. And, um, so I get some of the people that other mediums wouldn't want to read and because you have to carry that with you on some level and then get rid of it. Um, after the reading and so I think watch what you're trying to be that you see on TV that you think's cool and just figure out what your strengths are and your style but always make sure you only go into mediumship because it's going to be your life's work right um, otherwise don't be a professional medium I think there's right. a lot of professional mediums that shouldn't be professional mediums like any profession yeah like any profession I often yeah. say to people as someone who just did philosophy being a philosophy professor for 15 right. years there are good and bad police there Absolutely. are good and bad sure. teachers there are good and bad doctors and there yeah. are good and bad mediums yeah, yeah. absolutely so if that's that's going to be the case I just it's disheartening when you do see some of the people out there in our field that I always, I've written this in books. If somebody tells you that you've got a curse placed on you and that you have to pay them, you know, $4,000 and they'll get rid of the curse for you, walk out. Yep. Take your money and That's walk right. out. That is not somebody that is a real, they're not even real. They're not even, right. even they're just pretending and they can sort of read people well enough to know who's gonna be gullible enough and I it kind of makes it harder for us because I read judges I read academics I read um oh, tribal judges I mean I've read people from all walks of life these are not gullible people yeah. so I think they give us a bad name the charlatans give us a bad name the people that are are real but there are some people that just shouldn't do it professionally. They should incorporate their intuition into their daily life as a nurse or as a, um, you know, a lawyer. Yeah. Uh, do something else professionally that speaks to you and just use your intuition to bump it up a notch and make you better at it. Yeah. So, and if you're not going to listen to your inner voice, um, if you're bad at listening to your inner voice and over, always overriding it with your mind, you're never going to be able to be a medium. That's right. one hurdle they have to be able to get past Yep, is trusting that inner voice. And I've trusted that inner voice in times 
where I'm like, you better not be wrong. Right. <laughs> There's a lot writing on it, like a murder right. trial, you know? Right. So I'm speaking of what I know in the trusting that inner voice as yeah. you move forward and being around people. Yeah. When we're around people, we can be repelled yes. by them easily. Well, and, and all the energy, mediums right. take on a lot of energy when you walk into a crowded room. Uh, that was one of the problems I had in academia. There were lots of reasons I left academia, but I loved teaching. But being around all those personalities sometimes, especially when they're breaking into my office or yeah. whatever, you know, I... It's I can't take on all that energy and personalities, but yeah, it's a lot, and it short circuits you. And I I teach that to the younger mediums as well. I'm it's why there's an episode of Medium where I have an iPod earbuds on going through the hospital. I just, just saw the... that episode recently. <laughs> Out of all the episodes you would mention, yeah, well, I surprise. just saw that <laughs> recently, like this past week. <laughs> And that one's, that's real. That was actually one of the factual things. Wow. Nice reference. Yeah. Thanks, spirit. (laughs) (laughs) So you have to be able to block it out as well for for peace of mind and uh, bottom line, do it for the right reasons. That's right. That's right. Um, And the intuition one is key. I mean, it's, it's hard sometimes when your intuition is, telling you something in life, just any human being that would go against the grain or what you want or what you feel or like, you know, you want to be in this room with this person, but your intuition's telling you this is not, this is maybe not good. Murder victims don't listen to their intuition. Yeah. The ones that survive will actually say that they're like, I had a bad feeling that I knew I shouldn't go. And I went, you have, it's, it protects you that inner yes. voice. It's a, so think and, of it as your best friend. That yeah. that's exactly what saved my life overseas in that situation I was telling you about. I survived in two thousand nine. I didn't care what anyone else said or how it was going to. I mean, I just it was devastating how it all unfolded. But I followed my intuition and it saved my life. It yes. saved my life. Yeah. So you're I've had right. I've had that inner voice save mine a couple of times as well. So I, I understand what you're saying and I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're okay. Yeah, no, but just on, just to confirm what, you know, what you were saying about, I mean, it's hard to do for many of us, all of us, anybody, you don't have to be a medium, just a human being following your intuition. And the knowledge of intuition is something debated by philosophers for centuries. It's one of the hardest types of knowledge to logically prove is real. Um, you could imagine they're going to still be debating it when we're partying on the other side. Yeah, yeah. Months. Well, that's like, and that's it. the best part is that they're still philosophizing on the other side, too. <laughs> the philosophers. You know, the funny, that's the funny thing about the other side is whatever you're drawn to, like musicians in this life. Yes. Will show themselves with famous musicians on the, like how they, like energy is drawn to like energy. Yes. So philosophers will be drawn to other it's true on it's true yeah. in seance um with one of internationally um recognized seance medium warren kaler who's now in connecticut so you can go to one of his seances but in one of his seances last year um all of a sudden we met lots of people friends and family on the other side with lots of witnesses and and people you wouldn't even expect to pop in, but since Sir Winston Churchill is one of his controls, you'll get some, you know, politicians sometimes, you know, you get whatever famous people, but all of a sudden we heard a whooshing sound and uh, and, a, and a voice said, um, kind of, uh, we could barely hear him, but we he said, Christina, and I sat up. There's only Christina in the room and he and he looked over in our direction and everyone heard it and he said let me know when you're done with that orb photography book I'll sign it for you and it was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle who wrote and published a spirit photography book That's so cool. in his lifetime so he was directly drawn to that particular séance on that night because for you know many good sure. reasons but because i'm interested in spirit photography so it's so neat how they come through with the same interests no they two do. people living right now <laughs> they, they do it through us yes writers write through us musicians play through us yes so yeah it's it's sort of amazing how people can even 
your eyes. There's no life after death. <laughs> right. Don't get it. Right. I just, it's so obvious to me. I guess we're two of the lucky ones. Well, oh, that's a nice way to say it. Um, but the paradigm is shifting. We're in the awakening. It's exciting. I, I, you know, it's a hard time to be alive for so many reasons, but I it's also, very painful it is right now. It is, and, but and, it uh, feels like we're also lucky to be alive because it is the paradigm shift. Yeah, I mean, there astrologically, there's a bunch of things that have been going on. And I had had Tom McMullen on and we did a YouTube on this, um, this last every year, we do one for the year of the astrology, but it was after 2020, there was going to be pre 2020 and post 2020 that things would never be as they were again. And we actually just entered the meat of the age of Aquarius. I know they thought in the 60s, the hippies were like, Woo, good like, song, right? Good acid. song. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a great song. Um, but we were just starting to hit the periphery of it then. And now we actually went in it. So you're going to see the rebels sort of rise and you're seeing rebellions around the world right now where people are waking up. Yes. So you're going to see friction. Yes. And people have to be comfortable with moving with the friction right now. Yeah. Um, or it'll destroy. You said something in one of your interviews. Again, I think it was with the list where you said, um, this was 2017 interview but I just watched it today. But you said um, it's this strange experience, and I completely agree, where you're getting an entire, half of the world is progressing through an awakening and spiritual progression. And, you know, it's this incredible time to be alive. And the other half of the world is going tremendously backward. And uh -huh. it's a weird thing to experience those two extremes happening at the same time. Well, it's a Capricorn Aquarius energy that's happening and Capricorn likes things to stay the same. That's that's what you're seeing. You're seeing half of the world that are sort of like the swamps of government yeah. and um, people who are just digging their heels and saying, no, I don't want change. And the rebel Aquarius, Uranus, is saying, oh, you're going to change all right. So it's basically Putin... And yeah. Zelensky could yes. be very symbolic of yes. this in a nutshell. You've got Zelensky, who is an Aquarius, and Putin, who's a bad Libra, <laughs> who are who are going back and forth, um, trying to um, get the the you know a version of what they want the country to look like, and th that growing pains are painful. Yes. They just are. Yeah. And I don't think millennials have seen this. They haven't seen this in their lifetime. No. So they're watching it on TV and seeing people their age who are being murdered right. and affected. And and for and, the first time in history on TV. In, right. in I mean, this is also how part of the civil rights movement actually happened. People had to watch it on TV. Right. Television was right. new. And they right. couldn't believe what they were seeing. And it created great change. Right. Yeah. And so... That's that's what's going on. But we have news 24 hours a day now, seven days a week. Right. So the problem is people don't know how to disconnect or when to. So they have to be mindful. Watch as many hours of comedy as you do. Yes. Hours of the news, right? Yes, I agree um, with the comedy thing. Stand-up yeah, so, comedy, yes. So it's, um, it's an interesting time to be alive. Um, it's funny though. I can relate to boomers now. I'm like, now I know why they always said it was a better time. But then their <laughs> parents would say the fifties was a better time. And oh. I guess we all feel that way because it was a time that, um, every, that we didn't have to worry as much. I think childhood's just that when you don't, most children don't have to worry as much. And, yeah. um, and again, and, and, and depends on the part of the world you you or the time period or your skin color or your gender i mean there's so many things where stuff Depends was on where you're born right it, where yeah. stuff was bad it, you know right. what century you were born in right but yeah it's just i you're this technology has just changed everything and so to watch war on tv 24 7 is also desensitizing people well and and i was watching the world ice skating championships because i used to be a competitive skater and i'm a big dork that way and they had the Ukrainian team come out, the Paris, Paris team. It was free dance, I think, uh, was the category. And um, 
they were wearing blue and the other one had gold on. So they were wearing the colors of their flag. And they asked him, um, you didn't wear like all the sequins. You didn't wear the flair that skaters normally wear. And they said, we couldn't get it out of Ukraine. Like our, our costumes are back there, but then we couldn't think of anything better to wear than just our colors to compete. And it was just very moving because their families are still back there. Yep. And, yep. Um, and here they are trying to smile and look pretty on ice to accomplish something that a lot of their family sacrificed for them to get to that point to be able to do yep. and the pressure they must have been under. So yeah. um, people, maybe this will make people a little bit more thick-skinned. I think people are way too fragile these days. It's I just want to shake some people and be like, you're never going to make it through life if you're that fragile, you have to toughen up a yeah. little bit. Yeah. You know, yeah. life, life's a lot. And yeah. you don't know what you're going to get. Yeah. And the, and the fun part is that life can also be, it's a wonderful way we can end this. Um, life can also be incredible both here yes. and on the other side. And the other yeah. side can teach us how to be yeah. better at being human while alive. <laughs> try they do i think you said it best earlier don't don't sweat the small stuff that's right people get caught up in the small stuff and lose sight of what actually matters so you're caught up in the small stuff i'm going to the gym and i go get my nails done but i don't have time to spend with my mother because i have to do all these things right your mom's not going to be here forever right so or or concerning yourself with i've dated both men and women but i prefer men um but concerning yourself with what other people are doing in their private lives who they date or who they love i mean yeah that is their business. business. That's right. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, what happened to that? <laughs> Thank you. Were you. That's none of your business. You're saying it to other people. It doesn't work in my it. life. I cannot get that to stop people interfering in that way. But it is none of their business. Thank you for it's, saying that. It's none of their business and you don't have to answer to anyone. Oh, if only it could be that easy. But yes, yes, yes. You are so right. Um, <laughs> uh, let's just, I mean, this has been lovely. Thank you so much. We'll end with uh, something fun. Um, and, uh, Joe, jo- Joe's joked and said, well, every, I think everyone knows these, her guilty pleasures, but I'm sure you've written about them or talked about them everywhere, but what is some of your guilty pleasures today? I mean, what do you do, um, you know, for fun or, you know, I'm sure you do lots of stuff. You mentioned cocktails earlier. <laughs> oh, well, what obviously you- friends and a good cocktail is a nice place to be yeah you know sometimes and I know this sounds weird but it's just about taking my peace of mind back sometimes I draw all of the shades and my room's nice and dark and cool and I just I'll lay there and think um nobody can bother me right now this is my space this is my sanctuary and I just allow myself to just be so sometimes I just need moments of not worrying about everybody else, but just being because I feel like it. <laughs> just do, I want to lay here and do nothing, and I'm going to do that because I can. That's right. So, and, and, you know, mediums, tend we tend to be light sensitive. Yep. So we do like being in, in dark rooms. And yep. uh, also stupid television. Stupid television's a really good way to tune out, and uh, and there's a lot of dating shows you could watch that are really stupid. That's so true. That's so true. I felt so guilty as a person. This is so bad. As a person trained in philosophy for watching Married at First Sight, and I. <laughs> Married at First Sight Australia is way better yes. than our version. Yes. Or is that the one where they're in the pods? Um, where no. they? Oh, the one where they're in the pods. Is, I know what you're talking about. It, they don't. Like, they don't meet. The, the one or something. I don't. But they're. They just talk for like. My oh. daughter watches all of this and they drive me crazy. I'm like, I'm sorry, that one's really too stupid for me to watch. Yes. I can't watch that one. I can't do The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. I know it's a no. big phenomenon of our past decade, but I, I think it's terrible. I, can't I think it's terrible. Temptation Island sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes I do. I love watching 70s game shows and the oh. early 80s game show reruns. Yeah. 
I yeah. like seeing the people. I like seeing the family feud questions that you would never hear yes. now. Because yes. people would be like, I can't believe they said that. Right. We complain about everything now. But it's refreshing to watch it from a time where people were just, um, you'd get totally, there's a game show in that. The questions from the family feud in 1980, but they're asked now oh. to people now. If you ever want to do another podcast, we'll we'll get <laughs> contestants and do that. that I will get amazing. so much trouble, um, probably for the language I use. But <laughs> that's so funny. It's interesting though. You'll see the word God or pastor mentioned more in the answers than you would ever see now. And I just, I, people have lost their religion. Yeah. Have faith in something. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. And that's where community fractured is the churches started going away. And, you know, we just didn't have all the the resources from the community anymore and yeah. people telling on each other. I want to Mrs. Kravitz next door. I want her next door spying <laughs> on me because if I've got somebody breaking in, she's going to do something about it. <laughs> See, I thought you were going to say potato chips, but I'll take the dating shows and the game shows and the... I and love the... Ruffles potato yeah. chips. Okay. Yeah, okay. Now you're going to get some from Ruffles, the company is now going to send know, you. I'm, I'm not an emotional eater. Oh. I've I guess I'm lucky. I'm just not. Yeah, I yeah. I just need to tune out on Richard Dawson and watch him kiss the girls inappropriately and not. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a great way to end the podcast, Allison. Um, thank, you. thank you so much for being here with us at Orb Magic. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Have a wonderful rest of your day. You too.